Coming up, SOAs are inundated, working up to 16 hours a day to keep locals protected. A line is drawn through this year's Estedford. A team is pushing through the COVID difficulties to direct her debut musical. And Aradale, the making of a haunted asylum is launched. You're listening to Arat's Latest with local journalist Jack Ward. Hello and welcome. The news is quite overwhelming at the moment, constantly COVID-19 related, so so are our conversations. It seems the talk of the virus happens to pop up everywhere at the moment. I hope you are well. There's not been a lot of good news since the last podcast, but perhaps we're seeing signs of stabilisation. That's the, They're the numbers um, that I'm holding on to at the moment. They're not doubling, which is a good thing. Today we had 459 additional cases and sadly another 10 deaths. First things first though, we have 8,181 coronavirus cases in Victoria. That's 459 more than yesterday. There are 228 Victorians in hospital and 42 of those are receiving intensive care. Uh, I'm very sad to have to report that there are now 71 people whose lives have been lost, lost because of this virus, 71 people whose lives have been lost because of this global pandemic. That's an increase of 10, seven men and three women. The seven men range in age from their 40s to 80s. Uh, there is one gentleman in his 40s uh, and three women uh, in their 70s and 80s. Of those 10 fatalities, seven are linked to aged care outbreaks and three are not linked to an outbreak. We, of course, send our condolences and best wishes to those families. This will be a, a terribly difficult time for them and uh, they are in our thoughts. Premier Daniel Andrews there. Headlines locally this week. Leaders have banded together to urge Ararat residents to consider wearing a mask in public to reduce the spread of COVID-19. It is mandatory in Melbourne, but in regional Victoria it is only recommended, and recommending is what politicians, local government, health and police officials are doing. I'll have more on masks in a minute. Hopkins Correctional Centre was back in lockdown this week after a staff member at a men's jail in Melbourne tested positive. The officer works at Ravenhall Correctional Centre, but five other centres, including Hopkins and Langy Calcal, were locked down as a precaution while Corrections Victoria investigated other staff and prisoners who he may have been in contact with. There was, cer- co- there was concern that he may have been in contact with individuals who have since been moved up here. The lockdown at the local facilities has now ended. Lastly, GWM Water has repaired a burst water main that had caused a few headaches for Ararat SES on Wednesday night. The main outside Hotondo home spewed thousands of litres of water into the street when it burst around 8pm on Wednesday night. Luckily, there was no damage to nearby shops. Next, the curtain falls on this year's Ararat Estedford, but first, sewers are working around the clock to fulfil hundreds of face mask orders from locals. Jackie Harrison has been sat behind a sewing machine all week for 16 hours a day. I paid her a visit to find out how the side hustle began. I started making the masks simply because I have six kids of my own. Well, initially I was actually sewing a skirt for one of them and we had some leftover fabric and she said, why don't you make me a mask out of that, Mum? And so I did and I posted it, just a picture on my Instagram and a lot of people were very interested and I thought, oh, you know, like I wasn't going to make them for to sell. And so I made the rest of the kids theirs and I was getting more and more messages. So I thought, you know what, I'll just crack out some masks and sell a few and that will help with the bills. And I had never imagined 
how many masks I would be making. Mm. So how many masks do you think you've made so far? So far, I would be up at about 70, but my list is probably 200 or more. Um, I'm getting quicker, definitely so much faster, and I'm bulking colours together mm. to so I'm not wasting time changing colours in the machine with the threads and stuff. Different things, like if you're adding in the cutting out time, see, I normally bulk cut the night before and then start sewing again of a morning probably somewhere between 20 minutes and half an hour per mm. mask. So it's not a quick job. And I add the nose wire in mine mm. so that it sort of is a better fit around the nose. So that's the fiddly bit that takes a long time, really. Do you think it's important for the community to kind of rally, like you're doing, I suppose, and help each other out in these times and make masks? Yeah, well, I, like I said, I wasn't originally planning to do it. And then when I had so much interest and so many desperate people like, can you please, please make it, please? And I thought, you know what, there's nothing out there or if it is, it's hard to find. And all these people have found me. I kind of felt like I was needed to make them in a sense. So my housework's put on hold. (laughs) That's the kid's job this week. And yeah, I've just been sewing about 16 hours a day for the last three days. And for the next how many days? My list is about six days long, like... The wait is about six days. Most people have been more than happy to wait. Um, and I've just written my orders down as they've come in. And if I'm running out of that particular fabric they like, well, then I just offer them, you know, what's left, what different fabric, until I can source more, which is tricky here. And, yeah, that's the, ne- the next point I was going to ask you about is how uh, we've seen the lines on the news last night of people out at Spotlight. Yeah. Uh, are you finding it hard to find fabric? Um. When I first like brought the first lot, it was just like normal shopping at Spotlight. Um, when I had to do my mad dash to get some more the other afternoon, it was crazy in there. I was really happy to see that most people were wearing masks in Spotlight. It was very hard to get around the material bits and pieces and not be close to people. But it was just a matter of grab what you can because it was just flying out. Um, elastic is a big thing. Mm. Once I run out of elastic... I can't source it anywhere. I've had to ship some in, which hopefully will arrive in the next couple of days. Once I run out of that, I will have to change the design and go to ties because the companies can't actually get it into the country at the moment. Like They're sold out from their suppliers. If someone, I know you've got so many orders, but if someone is wanting a mask, can they still order, order a mask? I'm more than happy to take orders. I just ask that people are patient. I've got two hands and there's one of me doing this and juggling life and kids and everything else, but I am cracking them out as fast as I possibly can. Masks can be ordered from Jackie Harrison by visiting Mama J's Strings and Crafty Things on Facebook and there's a number of other locals taking orders as well on Facebook. The Arata Stedford's wish to let the show go on has been squashed by the second wave of COVID-19. Committee members concluded that the Arat community's health needs to come first, cancelling the event which was to be held in the upcoming school holidays. Secretary Chris Harris joins me. Chris, when did you realise that the event couldn't go ahead? Well, I think, you know, our aim was to hang on for as long as we could and we had things ready to go that if we put entries just open for a week, we could manage that way. So we sort of thought, well, we might even be able to hold off towards the end of July, really. You know, things have been improving, but because they're, they're not really improving at the moment, although today's figures are good, um, you know, that we thought we might as well call it now rather than string people along, really. Was the whole committee on the same page when it came to that decision? Um, yeah, there was 
that there was a couple asked, could we postpone it? Or, you know, we went through all the scenarios that we could do. But, yeah, everybody was out for the, the safety of the community, really, as well. Like, we don't want to be responsible. Yeah, well, I guess and, that's the um, thing. The, the, it brings quite a lot of people to the community and you don't want to, you know, if someone gets it, it here, does. you don't want to be kind of a catalyst to that, do you? Yeah, and it, like a big concern about that was I had a lady from Bendigo who runs a comp um, call me and said, you know, they, they'd postponed theirs and they were looking at running it, you know, in September as well. And I said, well, you know, go for it if you want to. She said, oh, no, we'd work around you so if people could go to both. And that sort of got me thinking. And then there's always South Street at the same time. So if you had even just one family went to the three comps, you know, on different days, the prospect of catching something is way worse if they had it, you know, like, and that just got us thinking more that we just couldn't do it. When it comes to postponement and Estedfords, as you mentioned, I guess it's hard to postpone an event when there's so many other Estedfords going on as well. It is, and that's the problem, you know, and that's why she rang me because she didn't want to clash with ours. But, um, yeah, you really just can't postpone, like, an hour takes, you know, 10 days. So to postpone now and try and put a date in by the end of the year, you would be looking at, you know, getting kids out of school, which I don't think is a good thing when they've missed so much. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's very difficult. You're better off to cancel, I think. When reflecting on last year, how many dancers would you expect to come to this year's event if it was to go ahead? Well, we had, um, I looked up these figures for you, 1,525 entries. But that's like 760 performers probably with the individual performers that do solos. And that figure comes from Stardom. And then you add another 300, you know, how massive our troop day is. And and not all troop people do solos and duos and that. So we reckon we probably bring over 700 performers. And then you add their families. Like everyone would come with at least one adult. So, you know, you're looking at bringing at least... 1,500 people into the community. I mean, it's probably more, but it's hard to estimate because we think our audience over the 10 days is probably, you know, three and a half, four thousand 4,000 spread over 10 days. A boost to the economy, but um, I'm afraid that's not to be. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and you don't only put the families that come, you know, in some sort of danger. We hope not, but, you know, like, You've got to think of the possibility it's your volunteers and then it's the, the wider community. We hadn't stopped planning in a way. Like I'd um, been in contact with the town hall and got the square meterage of each space so as we could calculate how many and how we could do that. But, you know, it would have been a lot of extra work on the volunteers as well, but that isn't why we cancelled. And, and, the, and <laughs> I mean, the, res- the restrictions are changing so, so rapidly as well, so it's yeah, hard to plan yeah, for something. That's right. You know, like they could could bring in a limit of 30 in a building or something or yeah I think it's just in everybody's interest to cancel it was nice I mean why we were doing it was to give the kids to look forward to something you know they had all second term either online you know zoom online or um not at all some dance schools and you know now they're back then who knows how long we're back for Sticking with the performing arts theme, nothing is going to stop 15-year-old Zafira Davies-Harrison from writing and directing her first production, not even COVID-19. I spoke with the Marion College student this week about her plans to direct Mystery at Moe's. 
Zafira has performed in numerous productions with the Arab Musical Comedy Society, the theatre company, and also her primary and secondary schools. Oh, well, I've been a part of Arab Musical Comedy Society since 2017, doing Pirates, then Curtains, and then Les Miserables last year. Done school productions since year five. Also been at theatre company productions. Now Zafira is taking the lead, writing and directing her first production. Let's just say with coronavirus, I've been very, very bored and lonely and yeah. Is that what's instigated this? Most likely. The storyline is set in a diner when one of three waitresses goes missing. The characters try to find out where she is, what has happened to her and who took their friend. And yeah, in the end they find out it's someone they wouldn't have expected at first. The casting process is now underway. I'm going to be holding auditions which will be online. And then after that, I'll do callbacks if I need, which might be in person, might be online, depending on how everything is. And then I'm going to hold the first few rehearsals that I have online, just to be safe. And then eventually, hopefully, be able to do start doing it in person and then perform sometime next year, starting next year. Auditions were held this weekend, but Safira has further times available next weekend as well. She said all age groups are encouraged to audition, but casting will be carried out with a youth focus. The lead roles will be given to younger people first, but that does not mean that old people can't audition. I'd just like youth to have a higher chance of getting roles, as a lot of the time you'll find usually adults and older people get the lead roles first, and I want the roles switched and get younger people out there first. If you want more information, Zafira can be contacted on 0421 828 or join the Mystery at Moe's Facebook group. Coming up, Arrowdale, the making of a haunted asylum launches and I speak with the Chief Executive at East Grampians Health Service. You are the story. If you have an issue or event, get in contact. You, the listener, are the heart of Arats Latest. So send me a message or email arratslatest at gmail.com if you have a news tip or an issue you want explored. Together we can get the answers, shine a light on local achievements and ensure everyone stays informed with what matters in our community. A new book that covers the history of Australian psychiatry and Aradale's rise to global recognition has been officially launched at the haunted site. Aradale, The Making of a Haunted Asylum explores how stories serve a role in helping people come to terms with traumatic histories influenced by pop culture and consumerism. You might remember I spoke with one of the authors, David Waldron, a couple of podcasts ago. Whilst at the book launch, Bruce Waldron, the editor and husband of author Sean Waldron, spoke with me about his involvement with the book. I would go through it, I would uh, smooth out the grammar, look at the expression, take away unnecessary words. That was the initial thing. And then as Sean and, and David put these bits together, then to look at what's going on here, what's going on here, what's going on here, do I take this uh, paragraph from page 16, does it belong back on page 4? and? Does this paragraph on page eight belong over on page 72? Mm. It's trying to get a smooth flow to the narrative that's coming from two people who actually think very alike, uh, even though they're in entirely different fields. Nate's part of it, which is the last chapter where he actually talks about the haunted site and how it developed into the, uh, the tours, was quite different because basically that came in and then we looked at what Sean had written, what David had written, 
and how we could integrate what Nate had written into that and how we could integrate what they had written into what Nate had said mm -hmm. and to make sure that the flavour of the three different parts came together to create one flavour so that there's a coherent narrative that runs right through the book. And it does. It starts back there when the thing began back in the uh, 1850s and it runs right through to the present day. Mm -hmm. And what Sean did, actually, was she didn't just talk about the changes in attitudes towards mental illness. What she really did was she looked at why it is that mental illness and the treatment of people with mental illness constantly gets relegated into the unseen. And she looked at that from a psychological perspective of how community works, what happens in the psyche of community, that they have these wonderful ideals that time and again crash. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get repetition going on in a person's life, you say, there's a pattern going on here and it needs addressing. What Shan did was she looked at the repetition and she said, psychologically, what's going on in our society that needs addressing? Mm -hmm. And I think that was Shan's most interesting contribution to the whole story. Mm -hmm. David's brilliant at analysing history mm -hmm. and he's brilliant at making sure it's tight and it's right. He will not take sloppiness. Dr David Waldron is a senior lecturer in history at Federation University and has been working on the publication for several years with the help of his sister and psychotherapist Sean and manager of Erie Tours Nathaniel Buchanan. Dr Waldron spoke to me once again at the launch. He's now considering what project comes next and whether that will involve the asylum once again. It's really good to have it done and then you know, opens things up where I can start looking at moving on other projects and spin-off projects for the next part of research, so that'll be fantastic. Um, it's always good when you have a book and you finally get it out in paper, though I'll tell you as an author and every author will tell you this, you'll look at it and you'll see things like, damn it, I missed that little mistake, because always happens every time. But perhaps it's a bit of a good luck thing, I don't know. When you're talking about spin-offs, is there any anything in the future that locals can look forward to? Well, there's two ways you can look at spin-offs when you write them. And in a sense, as an author writing history pieces, there's always connections between them. So on the one hand, it might be looking at other stories about the site and locale. The other way you might spin off is using similar theoretical models, but on other places. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I haven't really nailed down my next project, because part of that, of course, is looking at funding opportunities, publishing opportunities, and um, winding up potential contracts. Summing it up, what is your number one hope for this book? That attracts attention to the building and the site and its importance in terms of Australian history and heritage, and that it brings investment and repurpose to these buildings so that they are alive for future generations. It was a bit windy up there on the hill at Aradale. Sorry about that. The book is now available online and in bookstores. Returning to face masks now, this week's Your Say poll question was, have you purchased or made a face mask? More than 300 people had their say. 74% said yes, they have made or purchased a mask, whilst 26% said they have not. East Grampians Health Service has implemented new changes and says if someone is to test positive for COVID-19 in Ararat and needs care, they will be transferred to Ballarat. I spoke to the Health Service's Chief Executive Andrew Freeman in the last fortnight. Take a listen. I think the staff is certainly anxious when you see the numbers that are being reported um, of positive COVID across the state of Victoria. It's no longer confined to just Melbourne. Uh, there are COVID positives in, in rural parts of Victoria as well. Um, 
I think our anxiety levels are a little bit raised. There was a lot of visitors in the previous two weeks during school holidays to the, our, our region, and I suppose that's raised anxiety of, I think, everyone through the region, uh, just with that volume of visitors through. Um, and I think we're all sort of waiting to see if uh, any COVID positives are a result of that. Um, it's a possibility and it's a real possibility. So I think, uh, Jack, that's why I think there's some anxiousness, not just here at work at East Grandview's Health Service, I think more generally in the community. Mm. Um, that there's sort of, I think everyone's sensing that a little bit. I think that, you know, I can only, you know, I think everyone, including myself, is trying to limit the amount of times we have to go to the shops and have to go out. And mm. I certainly are witnessing um, when I went to Woolworths last evening, you know, people were respecting the social distancing, which was great. Now, we're seeing the how infectious this virus is and how quickly it can spread, especially looking at the metropolitan Melbourne. Um, there's a lot of talk about in regional areas, if it is, if we are to have outbreaks in regional areas, that we won't actually have the resources to efficiently look after people who are sick. At the at East Grampians Health Service, to say if someone was to get sick, do you have the adequate resources to look after them here in Ara? Uh, so I'll take a step back there, Jack, and just the starting point is that as a Grampians region, we have a, a, a Grampians region cluster plan in place for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we already have that planning in place. So for instance, um, we already will have patients admitted um, to East Grampians who will need to be tested because they've got symptoms. So we isolate them, wait for the test result to come back um, before they become, um, they're let out of that isolation. Um, if if they were to be uh, become positive, there's there's further plans in place. Initially, they would get transferred to uh, Ballarat for their care if they're COVID positive. Um, if Ballarat was to be then inundated, we certainly do have plans in place where we would keep COVID positive patients. Um, so I think the planning is in place. Um, you know. I think that I can't, I suppose I can't predict about the numbers, but I'm confident based on numbers at the moment that uh, Grampians as a region will be able to cope with the numbers. But again, it's around monitoring those numbers um, and keeping the numbers as, as minimal as possible so we don't put that stress on the system. That interview was conducted in the days following the last podcast, just under a fortnight ago. I didn't play it all because some of it is no longer relevant, but I wanted to share the preparation details that Andrew shared. The service has also temporarily ceased visitation to their acute and aged care facilities. On compassionate grounds, relatives will be allowed into facilities to visit. However, there will be strict requirements around the use of personal protective equipment. That concludes today's show. Thank you for joining me. It's hard to predict what the situation will be like in a fortnight because it is changing so quickly, but fingers crossed it will be positive. Remember, if you have a story, please do get in touch. All episodes of Arat's Latest are available on your favourite podcasting app. Until next time, stay safe. This was Arat's Latest. <laughs> <laughs>